0: If you have your Bible, and I hope you do, I invite you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. As Elijah told the kids, we're looking at 1 Corinthians 12, we'll be in verses 12 through 27. Today we continue our series to start the year entitled, What Now? Moving Forward in a Time of Transition, looking at key truths for us in this uh, time of change, in the life of our church. Before I read this passage, let me pray and ask for the Lord's help and his blessing. Gracious God, you have given us your word, uh, Lord, to feed our souls. Lord, we confess we are distracted and our minds go a thousand different directions. But Lord, help us to focus on you and your word. Lord, sanctify us in the truth, for your word is truth. Speak, Lord, for your servants listen. Christ's name we pray. Amen. Here now the reading of God's holy word, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God remains forever. I don't know if you realize this or not, but in this particular congregation, we have a decent number of veterans, folks who have served in the armed forces in the past. And while this isn't Veterans Day weekend, I do want to say thank you to all our veterans for your service and for the freedoms that we have But I want us to think about the military for just a minute. Our military has one main job, and that's the protection of our country and our allies. And in the military, there are different branches. You have the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, you have the Marines, you have the Coast Guard, and you have Space Force, which is actually a branch of the military now. And within within each branch, different soldiers have different jobs. Think back uh, about the invasion of the beaches in Normandy during World War II. In order for one GI soldier to land on one of those beaches, a lot of other soldiers had to be doing lots of different jobs, right? That one soldier needed support from artillery, from naval and air units. And those folks were supported by others who gave fuel or food or ammunition on the ships There were men and women below deck serving to make sure that the ships functioned properly and could get to their destination. And even back home, folks who weren't in the armed forces were doing lots of things to support the war effort. Each person had a part to play. And if someone didn't play their part, the military suffered. Friends, the same is true with the church. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul is telling us here in 1 Corinthians 12. He's describing the church as a body with many parts, and each part has a role to play. And I want us to see here that Paul's words shape our view of the church and our involvement in it. Paul wrote this first letter to the believers in Corinth, we believe, around A.D. 55, And he's writing to a church that he planted some several years earlier, which we can read about in Acts chapter 18. And the church in Corinth was one filled with problems. It was a total train wreck. And one of those problems was division. And that's what Paul is addressing in this passage and those surrounding it. Yet the words of Paul some 2,000 years ago are just as relevant to you and I here at 1st ARP as it was to the believers in Corinth in A.D. 55. That's just how amazing God and his word are. And the first thing we see in our passage is that the church is the body of Christ. Now, the New Testament gives multiple different metaphors, pictures of what the church is. The church is described as the bride of Christ in Ephesians 5, 1 Corinthians 3. It's described as the temple of God. There's all sorts of different views, are not really views, but just images, metaphors for what the church is. But here, Paul uses that of a body. He begins in verse 12, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. When he says there, so it is with Christ, that's kind of like shorthand for saying, so it is with the body of Christ. And what is implicit there is very explicit in verse 27, where he says, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So the church is the body of Christ. Now, before we go any further, we need to stop for a minute and ask an important question What is the church? Is the church a building like we have here at 201 East White Street? Is the church all Christians throughout time? Well, we talk about the church differently, and so the Bible does as well. In one sense, the church is what we call the universal church. That's all true believers, past, present, and future. And as an aside, this is what we say we believe. When we say in the Apostles' Creed, we believe in the holy Catholic church. Catholic there is not the Roman Catholic church. It's Catholic meaning universal All Christians throughout time, past, present, and future. So we have the universal church, but in another sense, we have what we could call the local church. The local church is individual believers gathering together for the preaching of the word, for the celebrating of the sacraments, and for the practice of church discipline. First ARP is an example of a local church. So when Paul says that the church is the body of Christ, does he mean the universal church or does he mean the local church? The answer is yes, it's both. All believers make up the body of Christ, but also each individual church is the body of Christ. Well, in what sense are we the body of Christ? Well, in Ephesians 5, 23, Paul says, Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. So Christ is the head. That means he's the source where we derive all our meaning and purpose. It also means he's the authority. He's the one who sets the agenda for the church. And it also means that true believers are connected to Jesus. Which raises an important question, are you connected to Christ? Have you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you looking to Him alone for salvation? Not trusting in your own goodness, but trusting in God's. If not, then that's your biggest need. You cannot be a part of the body of Christ, the church, if you haven't first trusted in Christ. And so trust Him today. And if you are connected to Christ by faith, then you are or should be connected to the church. And that doesn't just mean the universal church. It means the local church. Friends, we live in a highly individualized society. We love the idea of doing things ourselves. No one can tell us what to do. We want to be self-employed or we want to call our shots. Kids love to be the ones making decisions. Just ask the parents in the room. But that's not the way it works with Jesus. There's no such thing as just me and Jesus in the sweet by and by. You need the local church, and the local church needs you. And this is what Paul means in verse 13, where he says, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, slaves and free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Now his mention of baptism here is a little bit confusing. Perhaps he's talking about the sacrament of baptism with water, or perhaps it's just a word of kind of showing how we are brought in or united to the church. And, and scholars debate that. Um, but the point is the same regardless of whether Paul actually means the sacrament of baptism or not. And the point is that all true believers are brought into the body of Christ by the Spirit of Christ. And Paul goes on to talk about diversity in the church. He personifies the human body as an illustration of his point. And so the point is that there is differences in the church, and that is actually a really good thing. Even here in this local church, there are differences. There are rich and there are poor. There are well-educated and not as well-educated. There's different socioeconomic backgrounds. You name it, there are differences, and that is such a good thing. Unity is not the same thing as uniformity. We're not designed to look the exact same. We need our differences. Moreover, we all have different gifts. Romans chapter 12, verses 6-8, through 8, Paul says this, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in exhortation, The one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. We're all different. We all have different gifts. But notice what Paul says in our passage in verse 18. He says, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. You see, God is the one responsible for setting up the church as it is. God is the one who has given us gifts. God has established his church. And so if we have issues with how the body of the Christ is, then we need to take it up with God. Theologian R.B. Kuyper wrote a book entitled The Glorious Body of Christ. And in that book, he says, the beauty of the human body is brought out by the variety of its parts. So the glory of the body of Christ appears in the diversity of its members. Think about it like the difference between singing in unison and singing in harmony. Now, Orlando, there's a reason I'm not in the choir. The Bible says to make a joyful noise, not a beautiful noise, Uh, and singing is not one of the gifts that I have been given. But I do know enough to know that there's a difference between singing in unison and singing in harmony. Harmony is the idea that there are multiple vocal parts that come together to make a richer, more fuller sound. And I think, even though I don't know that much about music, an even more beautiful sound. And so it is with the church. When we work in harmony with our gifts, we bring glory to God. Friends, God made the church. You and I need the church. If you've been visiting with us, we're so glad that you're here. We hope that If the Lord continues to lead you here, at some point you'll consider joining with us, using your gifts to serve this church. The church is the body of Christ. Is it perfect? Absolutely not. Why? Because we're sinners. You know, it's been jokingly said, if you find a perfect church, don't join it because you'll mess it up. There is no perfect church. But God's plan involves his church. Jesus himself said in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He didn't say, I'll build my individual Christians. He said, I'll build my church. And the church is the body of Christ with different members, with different gifts, all working together for God's glory. So the church is the body of Christ which causes us to ask, how should we view the church? And specifically, how should we view the people in the church? And that's what Paul addresses in this majority of this text. In verses 14 through 20, he talks about how we should view ourselves. And then verses 21 to 26, he talks about how we should view others. So how should we look at ourselves in light of the church being the body of Christ? Well, look with me at verses 14 and 15. Paul says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Paul is saying that the body has different parts with different gifts, but one is not more important than the other. All parts of the body are necessary. I mean, just think about our human body. We need hands and feet and ears and eyes. A person that's just an eyeball would be ridiculous. Or Just one big, massive ear. And wives, you might wish that was your husband so he'd actually hear you, but, you know, we, we need multiple parts of the body. So it is with the church implies that each of us have gifts and parts to play in the church every believer is given gifts by god some may have one or two gifts others may have more might have the gift of teaching or of evangelism or service or leadership if you are in christ jesus you have been given gifts And so I ask you, what are your gifts? What are your spiritual gifts that God has given you? If you don't know, please take time to prayerfully consider what those gifts might be. You can take a test online that's free that can evaluate your spiritual gifts, and that can be helpful. Or you could talk to people that know you well and say, how do you think God has gifted me? What are the gifts that I have? Make that part of your prayer life. Lord, what are the gifts I have, and how might they be of service here at 1st ARP? Notice how Paul says in this section that each part shouldn't say that if I'm not thus and so, then I don't matter. He's talking about kind of an introspective look, and we're all prone to evaluate ourselves at times. And sometimes that means that we look at ourselves better than we should, and sometimes it means we think of ourselves less. And so we could be tempted to think, man, like, God has given me some pretty good gifts. Like, this church really needs me. I'm special. Or we might think too lowly of ourselves. Man, I don't really have many gifts, or my gifts aren't as valuable as that person's gift, so I guess I don't really have a part to play. Friends, God has given us all gifts, and we're all to use them. That means we all have a part to play in the life of the church. And this is vital for us as we begin this time of transition here at 1st ARP. It's not up to just me as the interim pastor to lead us through this time. It's not just up to your elders or to the deacons or to women's ministry board members. No, we all have a part. What is your part? Don't just sit back and wait until someone comes and asks you to do something Take the initiative. We need folks to work in the nursery every Sunday. Don't wait till you're called. Ask. Say, I'm not very good with kids. Maybe could you serve for once a month, helping out. We need folks to serve on different committees, to visit the homebound, to help with mail-outs in the church office, to go and outreach to the community. You name it, there are things that we can do. It doesn't matter how young or how old you are or how many gifts you have. We need to remember there's no retirement in the kingdom of God. Until the Lord calls you home, you have a part to play. And don't think that your part is not important, even if it's just praying. Just praying, really, that's the best thing we can do. Also, there's no minimum age of entry for service. Kids, you aren't the future of the church. You are the church today you have a part to play. Maybe that's making cards for homebound members or going to visit them. Maybe it's helping with the kids that are younger than you, setting a good example for them, volunteering at VBS, or maybe it's coming on a church work day. Perhaps you've noticed that I've been ending each service prior to giving the benediction with certain words. I say something to the effect of God is at work in his world and he's chosen to use his church. We all have a part to play, so play your part, play it faithfully, and play it with the Lord's blessing. And I got this idea from a pastor and mentor in ministry, and I've adapted what he says, but I want to remind us all that we have a part to play. This will be so evident in this season of transition. We need each other. Don't fall into the trap of just being a consumer when it comes to church. Yes, be fed, but also serve. So that's how we view ourselves. But how about how we view others? Paul says in verse 21 the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. In other words, we don't look down on other people just because they don't have the gifts that we have or they don't seem as involved as we are. I'm sure you've heard horror stories of church drama where people are run off because they don't have particular gifts, they don't kind of meet the norm of people in the church or maybe there's one person who holds all the power because they give the most amount of money as far as i know these things aren't happening here i'm not naive enough to think that if you were looking down on everybody in the church you come to me and say hey that's my problem but i don't see evidence of that and praise the lord for that and i pray the lord protects us from that but friends sin is sneaky can sneak into our life very quickly and we begin to look down on other people pat ourselves on the back for how many committees we're on or how many terms we've served as an elder or a deacon we think our role is more important elders might be tempted to think they're more important than deacons or you name it we can fall into these traps very quickly In verses 22 to 24, Paul talks about how the weaker and less honorable members are actually given greater honor. The sweet old saint who is homebound and has zero dollars to give to the church yet prays faithfully every day may receive more honor than the one who has thousands of dollars to give and serves every day yet does it from the wrong heart motive. Paul tells us in verse 25, the whole goal of this is that there would be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Friends, we need to be unified in this season of transition. Now more than ever, we must remember that everyone has an important role to play. God has not put First ARP on pause. This is not a lame duck season in the life of the church. God has a mission for the church. And he has a church, us, for his mission. I mean, they just built apartment buildings right across the street. There are many there and other places that need the hope of Jesus. We have a part to play. Let us play our part. Friends, the church is one body with many members. Because we are united to Christ by faith, we are united to his church. Each of us have been given gifts by God to use for his glory. And in order to play your part you need to be fed by Christ. You can't serve if you aren't growing. And the sacraments are one of the means of grace that God has given us to grow. As we prepare to come to the table in just a few moments, remember what Christ has done. Remember his perfect obedience, his sacrificial death and his resurrection. And at this table, we not only remember, but we also feast upon Christ who is spiritually present in this meal finding nourishment for our weary souls to serve our Savior. So find your hope in Jesus, rest in Him, and remember that He enables us to play our part in the life of the church. Let us pray.